The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Rotor Road Football Podcast, an emergency edition of the greatest podcast in the universe. Oh, what a Friday. It's making me work on a Friday. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time. This is going to be basically unedited. So enjoy. I hope you do. Raymond Summerlin answered the bat signal that was out there for someone to do an emergency podcast with me. It has been a newsworthy last few hours, Ray, and I even forgot about the first bomb that dropped, which is Ezekiel Elliott's six-week or six-game suspension, I should say. I guess that puts him on the field at week eight if nothing is overturned, if nothing changes. Ray, what does this do to the entire focus of where Ezekiel Elliott is being picked, which is about ADP four or five? Yeah, I mean, this is, I suppose, as bombshells go on a Friday morning— uh, this is not maybe not as big because we knew that it was coming. We we at least expected it was coming. You know, six games is a long time and at the high end of that expectation. But there had been some talk that that was going to happen. So this is something that we thought about, you know, for a little while. And I had already kind of decided that I wasn't taking Ezekiel Elliott in the top five already. So, you know, if you had continued to do that, this is you know, this is pretty awful for you. And I'm sorry to hear that. But we have to look forward at, at what his value is going to be. And I actually think that much like Le'Veon Bell last year, this situation is going to lead to Ezekiel Elliott becoming a value. Now, this situation hmm. is a little bit different because Elliott, you know, has his suspension is twice as long as Le'Veon Bell's, at least right now. We'll right. see what happens on appeal. And we'll see if, by the way, we'll see if he even has to serve it start week exactly. one. We have no there, idea. There is zero is clarity still at this moment. Yeah, we have no idea where this is going. But operating under the assumption that this is the suspension he will serve, his is twice as long as Le'Veon Bell. In PPR leagues, he was not even close to as good on a per-week basis as Le'Veon Bell last season. He was in standard leagues, and there is some hope that he's going to be more involved in the passing game moving forward. So, you know, that's kind of negligible. Right. But I think what really comes down to, if you're trying to assess his value, is two things. First thing is you look at the talent at the position – this year, which is which is bad. You know, if you're not including Elliott after the first nine running backs, it there's a huge drop off. Not including Elliott, you could argue that after the top four running backs, there's a huge drop off. So we're not we're not looking at saying, okay, well in the second and third round you're going to get X stud guy at running back if that's the way you want to build your team. You, that's not going to happen. So that's the you know the first thing. Do you think that Todd Gurley? is less risky than Elliott, even if Elliott misses six games? Do you think that Marshawn Lynch is less risky? Do you think that Lamar Miller 
is less risky. I don't think that that's true. Yeah. And none of those guys, not even Gurley and Lynch, because of the offense Gurley plays in and because of Lynch's you know concerns, and he might not even get 200 carries, none of those guys have the upside per week of Ezekiel Elliott. And so that's my first thought. And my second thought is, if you draft Ezekiel Elliott at the end of the second round, that doesn't mean that you then don't get a points the first you know eight, seven games when he's out. You get to put another running back in that spot. You're not giving up having a running back in your roster by drafting him. Sure, it's not going to be as good as Eagle Elliott. It's not going to be probably as good as Marshawn Lynch or Lamar Miller, although you know, we'll see how that works out for those guys. But you are going to have someone in there, and when you compare that what that player is able to do the first seven weeks and then after you get Elliott back, I think it makes sense still to draft Ezekiel Elliott at the end of the second round. And if I have the first pick and I can finish, I can start off with David Johnson and then get Ezekiel Elliott at the turn, I'm going to be pretty happy with that team, hmm. even with the suspension as it stands now. Interesting, because I, I know many would put it at like round four or round five, which then it's incredible value. Uh, I, I think that this is important to note. One, know your league settings. Know if you have an IR spot or and that works with suspensions as well. Um, and I'm not going to go through name by name here, Ray, but just to kind of recite some players going in that same area. I, I mean, I would prefer probably Isaiah Crowell to Ezekiel Elliott now. Um, I would, and again, I would not. And so okay. that's that's why that's that's the point. But Ezekiel but I understand Elliott, it with like the names like Marshawn that you mentioned, and and to take it one step further, you mentioned the drop off from like nine to the rest and four to the rest. I mean, the drop-off from two to the rest is, is a it's cavern. unbelievably massive. Yeah. And I, I'm a, you know, and we'll talk about this situation in a bit. I think LaShawn McCoy is even more valuable moving forward now. Interesting. But, but that's a, I mean, that drop-off is massive, massive from those first two guys. If, if you were picking at the top of the draft, those have to be the first two picks. And I, it, I don't think it was a question before. Right. It definitely is not a question now. The, this obviously impacts Ezekiel Elliott. It also impacts Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden a month ago was taken as running back 62. Right now he's being taken as like running back 56. I mean, he's going to play early. And people were already targeting. I mean, I was already targeting him because we knew he was in line for early season starts, kind of in the same mold as Jacquez Rogers. But Ray, whenever you can lock in a, a player with starts and Yes, we are assuming that is going to be Darren McFadden. I know that Alfred Morris looked good, but, I mean, whenever... One, okay, Jerry Jones has a soft spot for Darren McFadden. And two... Arkansas boys, huh? Yes, and he did it last year, obviously, yeah. right? I mean, there, there have been times when Darren McFadden has stepped into the role when Ezekiel Elliott has taken uh, a breath or a step back or anything like that. So, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to assume that Darren McFadden is going to step into this. Is it too early to guess where you would take him? Because again, we're looking at six starts here, probably at the most, and also a running back that is far, far, far less talented, but we know, no, no, that the opportunity is going to be there. Well, I mean, if you look at Jaquiz Rogers in a worse situation for only three games is going at the end of the eighth round, yeah. uh, you're going to have a, you're going to have to take Darren McFadden early. I'm thinking, we see Derrick Henry go at 6'10", the 73rd pick off the board. I think higher than that. Mark Ingram at the end of the fifth round, is that where we're talking about? I mean, he's going to go high. I guess the question is, where do I want him? If he's still sitting there when guys like when guys like Henry, when guys like Eddie Lacy, who I'm 
getting lower on by the day. When guys like Bilal Power coming off the board, you have to seriously consider McFadden at that point because, like you said, it's six games. That's, what, almost half of the fantasy regular season? And that's at a position running back where even if you draft somebody in the first round, you have no idea if they're going to last six games. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I think that I think that McFadden, I think that McFadden definitely needs to be ahead of guys like you know Derrick Henry, um, ahead of guys like Eddie Lacy, certainly ahead of guys like Frank Gore and Terrence West. So I'm I'm looking at him kind of in that that sixth round range is just off the top of my head where I'm thinking about putting him. Oh man. Okay. Can we move on to the big trades that happened? Yeah, let's go. Okay. We're going to do this team by team rather than trade by trade because it makes the most sense. And I think we have to start with the LA Rams obtaining the best player of this entire trade or both. And that's Sammy Watkins. I mean, right. We, we just watched the games last night. At least I did. You can check all the highlights that I'm posting on Twitter. The Bills started with three throws to Sammy Watkins. And we all went crazy. We're like, oh, yes, can't wait for the Sammy Watkins season. If he's healthy, he can be a legitimate wide receiver. One, yada, yada, yada. One of the best fantasy wide receivers out there. Maybe even top five potential. Ray, to me, I mean, other than the Jets, this there could not be a, a, a worse landing spot here for, for Sammy Watkins. I understand the optimism, right? Sean McVay's coming in. They added Andrew Whitworth. Whatever they added, Robert Woods. There are some positions people and, and, and players around what they're doing. It comes down to the core of the team. Offensive line, other than Andrew Whitworth, and Jared Goff. And Ray, I'm going to say it. There's no reason to be optimistic about Jared Goff right now unless you liked him pre-draft. If you had questions about him, then you still should have questions. He answered them negatively. But, and I'll, I'll turn this over to you now, we saw that even Kenny Britt was productive with Jared Goff, and whoever else they want to throw out there, right? So how how much, if at all, are you dropping Sammy Watkins now? So it's funny you mentioned Kenny Britt because I actually went, one of the first things I went and looked at is what happened to Kenny Britt after Jared uh, Goff took over. And obviously it was a different offense with, you know, what was it, uh, middle school offense, according to Todd Gurley. Yes. So obviously it was a different offense. But in the same offense, Kenny Britt averaged 15.75 yards per reception before Jared Goff showed up. And the games he played with Jared Goff, he played six, because I believe he skipped week 17. That average was 12.88. That, even in a small sample size, that's a huge difference. That is a large difference. Jared Goff completed just eight passes, which traveled more than 15 yards in the air last season out of 205 attempts. So that was 7.1% of his completions. And according to our friend Rich Rebar, that is the third lowest in the league ahead of just Joe Flacco and Robert Griffin the third. Yeah. So he was bad throwing it down the field. And when you're looking at what Sammy Watkins well, was, was in bad. Buffalo. He was bad. He was, fair enough. He was bad. But he was also specifically bad throwing it down the field. And if you look at what Sammy Watkins was able to do in Buffalo with Tyrod, who is good throwing it down the field, yep. you, you, you were able to see him be really explosive. Is that going to happen in L.A.? I very much doubt it. Could they use him more like he was used at Clemson? Could they use him more around the line of scrimmage, use his catch and run ability, which I think a lot of us, me, and I'm pretty sure you, I don't remember exactly, but fell in love with in school. I'm, yep. sure, I'm sure you you love that play. It's that play against Ohio State. Do you remember that one? Yep, yep. That that play against Ohio State, you go, oh my goodness, what this guy could be. So maybe that happens, but that, of course, opens him up to a few more hits. 
He has the injury problem. And just furthermore, this offense, I mean, this offense scored literally half as many offensive touchdowns as the Bills did last season. Only three more pass, only three fewer passing touchdowns, but scoring opportunities are scoring opportunities, and those matter uh, for all, any offensive player, regardless of how they happen. So that's a big gulf to to kind of to kind of cross over, even if you expect McVay to improve the offense, and even if you expect the Bills to kind of regress a little bit from last season. So all of that points to you have to move Watkins down. I still think he's such a good player that I still can't imagine putting him outside of the, you know, the top 30, but I think kind of mid-20s is about where he's going to end up for me. And I'm not disputing that this offense is going to improve because that's the only direction it can go. Literally, the only way it can go is up. And, and again, I understand if you have optimism, whatever. But if, if you just eliminate that he was the number one overall pick, Jared Goff had one of the worst quarterback seasons of all time last year in terms of, of players drafted in his area, right? The stigma that he might be good, I, he has to show it first. And maybe he will this preseason, whatever. But I, I'm very glad that many of us will have multiple weeks to watch, at least if Jared Goff looks like a, a, a middle-of-the-road starter. If he's the 16th best starter in the NFL, Ray, th- then I will not drop Sammy Watkins as much. But right now, it's it's like bottom five quarterback play is what I'm worried about. And I, I think the potential is definitely there. Uh, as, as we mentioned, Sammy Watkins, I believe, has been drafted. Uh, it was total ADP. No, excuse me. It was 14th or 15th, yep. somewhere in that wide range, Wide receiver right? 15, now yep. wide receiver 14. Whew. Yeah, that's a that's a premium to pay for a Rams wide receiver. And by the way, pour some out for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Can can Sammy Watkins just leave Robert Woods? (laughs) I I wrote something. I wrote something. I put it on my Facebook page. Just kind of quick thoughts about it. And uh, all I all I wrote with Tavon Austin was lol, because I don't know why anybody was excited about this reborn deep threat to begin with. So, well, I will say we can put that to bed. I had some Tavon shares in like round 18 and 19. But before then. I wouldn't, uh, no, no, I wouldn't a, even have done that. <laughs> ab, ab, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, let's also go to the other skill position player in this trade. That's the Bills. The Bills obtained uh, Jordan Matthews, EJ Gaines, Rams 2018 second round pick, and the Eagles 2018 third round pick. My by the question, way, good job by that front office. You okay. know what I'm saying? My, if my, you weren't keeping Sammy Watkins to begin with, I mean, losing Darby in his two years, that's big. But maybe they didn't like him. Maybe they like well, Gaines more. Well, here's why, to me, the trade happened. It's because if you just look at one, there's there's a new regime in town, right? Yeah, new eyes sure. mean you have no ties to whoever was there, and you can move on. Second, obviously, we saw with the Panthers that they were very willing to let cornerbacks go away. Now, it's a bit different because the team just drafted a cornerback. But there's a, a very big difference between Tredavious White and Ronald Darby. One, obviously, Brandon Bean, well, maybe didn't have a say back then, does now. Sean McDermott certainly had a say back then. But Tredavious White has length, over 32-plus yep. inch arms. Ronald Darby does not. Now, EJ Gaines doesn't, but, Ray, I wouldn't be surprised if we learn that EJ Gaines is going to play in the slot for this team. For sure. And I think that's kind of where he played in LA a lot, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I might not be. It's been a crazy morning. But the... Um, but yeah, I think that if you look at the kind of on balance that trade, they acquired two guys in the last year of their deal, two premium picks, day two picks, yep. and they gave up a player that was from the previous regime who had a bit of a downturn last year, although Ronald Darby was still pretty good last year, but he had a bit of a downturn last year, but it was from the previous regime and had two years left on his deal. I think that if you look at it on a whole, what they've done, I, I have to say, I think this was a 
good series of moves. By the and, and we have to mention, and I don't know if you just did, I tuned out for a second, that they also have the Chiefs' first-round pick in 2018 as well. Yeah, that's that's huge too. So they are they are clearly preparing for the future. And if we look at the players that they've brought in now, Zay Jones and Anquan Bolden, although that's probably one and year. Jordan Matthews, they and are Jordan all Matthews. slot receivers. Are they just going to run bunch sets and tight formations? Like, are they going to line anyone up at the numbers or outside of it this year? Well, well, doesn't that tell you that they are going to move on from Tyrod? Isn't that what that tells uh, you? Because that is completely playing away from his strengths, right? Why did you have to insert that negativity into this, Ray? You're, but am I wrong? Is that is that <laughs> playing away from his strengths? No. Unless Zay Jones, unless Zay Jones plays more like his physical measurables and less like he did in right. college. But we're but looking even, at the situation. Even Zay Jones aside, you just signed Anquan Bolden, and sure, that's a one-year deal, right? But yeah. Jordan Matthews has been tried on the outside and cannot do it. So yeah. here we are with Anquan Bolden and Jordan Matthews repping the same exact spots. And I had someone in my mention say, well, maybe they go, you know, five wide and have three slot receivers, yada, yada, yada. Okay, <laughs> this is the Bills that signed two fullbacks in free agency. They're not doing that. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. But I guess if we look at, you know what's funny about this trade? The Bills made the trades. I actually think that on par, the fantasy value of the players – that still remain on the Bills was changed the least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that Zay Jones is the number two. I think that Jordan Matthews will come in and lead the team in targets. Jordan Matthews probably has a better chance to play 16 games, so maybe that takes something away from Jones's maybe becoming the number one at some point. But also, Matthews is probably less locked into the number one job, so maybe Jones can unseat him. So there's a little bit of fluidity there, but I don't really think it changes for those guys. And I don't think it changes for LaShawn McCoy that much, although hmm. now he's definitely the focal point of the offense no matter what. Yeah. And if you're looking, if they're going to score points this year, a lot of it's going to come through LaShawn McCoy. So I guess I feel even better about him now as, with Ezekiel Elliott news, I guess the number three running back in the rankings, which I guess is crazy to think about, but but that's where we okay. sit right now. So now I have to ask you this question because you just mentioned that. Which receivers would you take over LaShawn McCoy? Well, I was only the – oh, that's tough. I'm thinking that the only ones I was taking over LaShawn McCoy even before because I want a running back, one of those first five, now four running backs. The only ones I was taking was the holy triumvirate okay. of Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham. So you're basically saying LaShawn McCoy is pick number six? Uh, five because we don't have a Zeke anymore. Well, yeah, but you have the two, and then you have the three receivers, so then you have pick number six. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, pick number six. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Wow. And I, I mean, I love Shady. I love Shady. I love Shady. But it's, it's, God, and I understand he'll probably catch more passes this year, but this is all narrative stuff now. Like, we don't even know how the, the Bills are going to line up play to play right now with their wide receivers. Is Andre Holmes going to be on the outside? At least with Sammy Watkins, we had some semblance of it. The, the team, I mean, it's just chaos. This is Bring all on chaos. Rod Streeter, is what I say. Right. As for Matthews, I if you're thinking that, oh, Matthews is suddenly going to be what Watkins was, uh, no. Right. Uh, he does not have that type of explosive ability down the field. At least he hasn't shown it. We'll see what happens, I guess. But he hasn't had that type of explosive ability down the field. If anything, I think he's back to where he was his good years in Philadelphia, which puts him as like a, a wide receiver two, three, borderline, that kind of mid-20s kind of guy. And I actually think still I would take Sammy Watkins over Jordan Matthews, which depending on looking at their situation seems oh, a definitely. Bit crazy, but no. I think that that upside, I think that that upside of Watkins yeah. because of how good of a player he is, yeah. is enough to take the risk. Yeah. And, and just quickly again with Watkins, I bet we see, you know, more quick passes now, you know, I mean yeah. that, uh, gosh, I, 
Okay, I'm still trying to process this. Let's end it up with with the Eagles, okay? Uh, He wasn't traded. He wasn't moved. But now Nelson Aguilar is most certainly the team's slot receiver now. We know that Jordan Matthews in the past has had plenty of targets in that area. They obviously brought in uh, Alshon Jeffrey, whatever, Torrey Smith on the outside as well. But now you have Nelson Aguilar. Is this going to be a rejuvenation, a a late career or rookie wage contract career surge by Nelson Aguilar, who many, many people were excited about coming to league? And I would say much of that was due to him landing in Chip Kelly's offense at the time. Uh, so let me say that I, <laughs> I, I need to see more than a drop two-point conversion for me to just think, just believe this sudden off-season rejuvenation from Aguilar. Now, they traded Jordan Matthews. That says something, right? But there was a log jam in the middle of the field, and it's because a guy I don't know if most people are thinking about, and that's Zach Ertz, who has operated in the same parts of the field as Jordan Matthews and was probably going to again this season. Yeah. I actually think if I'm looking at someone whose value really goes up because because I just can't trust that Aguilar is suddenly this new you know, this new player that's living up to his draft stock. I just can't trust that. I'm looking at Zach Ertz. I think that Zach Ertz has a big bump in value. I think he is clearly inside the top 10 now, maybe even the top eight. I have to kind of shake it out and see where it is. Martellus Bennett, I think he's kind of in that range of uh, in my ranking. So if I'm looking at guys, I know Aguilar is going to be the name because he's the receiver. I actually think this helps Ertz more you, than it helps Aguilar. You know I don't even like Zach Ertz as a player. Like, I think yeah. he's incredibly average. I'm even going to target him in fantasy now. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't believe in the post-type Nelson Aguilar. But, Ray, we've seen it before, you know. Receivers, it's there's different ways to succeed in the slot versus on the outside. You know, maybe Aguilar just couldn't do it on the outside, and his, his skill set translates to the slot more. But I'm glad, again, that this happened, you know, week one of the preseason, not week three of the preseason, so at least we might have some semblance of that moving forward. Uh, do we even need to talk about Ronald Darby a little bit in the, in the Eagles? I know this is a fantasy podcast, but the team That's just drafted, huge for them. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the team just drafted Rasul Douglas, who they really, really, really like. Uh, someone called that on this podcast. And then also Sidney Jones for, for later, later on. But corner was, you know, a primary need after Jalen Collins, who was a seventh-round pick last year, played and had plenty of starts and was very, very up and down. I mean, it goes from a weakness to theoretically a strength moving forward with plenty, plenty, plenty of young players at the position. Yeah, and I'm just going to correct you so you don't get tweets. Jalen Mills, Jalen Collins is the guy who can't oh, stop gosh, you're right. chewing PED pills uh, or whatever he does. <laughs> but the uh, – I don't know how – Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs. Mexican Tic Tacs. <laughs> I don't think they still do shots. I don't know. No, it's Mexican Tic Tacs. That's what they All are. right. That's what it is. So anyway, so yeah, so Jalen Mills, who uh, was going to definitely be a starter. Now we'll see what happens. Patrick Robinson had been – had been being uh, pretty routinely burned in, during training Shocked. camp. Shocked. Uh, it's shocking. <laughs> Russell Douglas, I, they like him, but he's apparently been struggling a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with Sidney Jones. You know, he's probably not back this year. But you look at that now, they have Ronald Darby. They have Sidney Jones. Yep. That's a pretty good and young corner duo for the future if Sidney Jones is able to come back. Right. Their safety core is still really good with Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins. Their front seven with Jordan Hicks, Nigel Bradham, that f- defensive line. This defense is good. Yeah. It was good last year. It, the only problem they had was corner. If that corner group improves, Jalen Mills is able to improve for them. Like it seems they think he will. Now they bring in Ronald Darby to be the true number one. This is a really good defense. This team also has a really good offensive line. And they have LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. 
don't I, sleep on the Eagles this year. I, I liked them last year. It didn't quite work out, but my opinion hasn't changed on this. Team. I'm not assuming that you have your DST rankings in your head, but it kind of on paper looks like a top five, top six unit. Yeah, and it was last year for the first half of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was really good the first part of the season last year. And so and, I think, and it's worth noting that of the Rams and of the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles really didn't give up anything. Like it, it's pretty obvious that they were going to move on from Jordan Matthews, that they wanted yeah. to get Nelson Aguilar more playing time. And you know, I'm a draft guy, but third round picks are nothing if we're talking about you know draft capital, fans, uh, commodities in terms of of draft picks. And getting that for a starting young corner, still in his rookie deal, I guess, uh, pretty good. Yeah, and the Eagles, I just want to say, because I, I always look at this, was one of the reasons I'm really on the Jaguars this year as a defense is because they're going later and they uh, have a really good opening schedule. The Eagles' opening schedule isn't great. They the, at the Redskins, at the Chiefs, get the Giants, at the Chargers, get the Cardinals, at the Panthers, and the Redskins. Again, that's that's not ideal, but certainly that could be a defense that you that you target as the bye weeks show up and the schedule gets a little bit easier. Maybe, I, I don't know, the 49ers in week eight, that might be interesting. Ray, I've been scanning Twitter. Uh, in the last 23 minutes since this started, we have not missed any news. So there's there's nothing else I think we need to talk about unless you think we do. <laughs> Are you sure nothing's happening? Well, Trent <laughs> Murphy tore his ACL, but other than that— right. Pour some out, sorry. Right. But there but other than that, I, I think we've got it all covered and I'm gonna go take a nap. Uh nope, well not until about seven o'clock, because we got some more preseason action. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Norris. Be sure to follow Raymond Summerland at RM Summerland on Twitter. Uh if you enjoyed this podcast episode at all, please consider taking thirty seconds rating and reviewing. It really, really does help us out. And with all of this stuff with the Sammy Watkins trade, with Jordan Matthews now with the Bills, so on and so forth. The draft guide will have a massive update, so be sure to get it at rotoworld.com slash draft guide. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.